you turn there, we need to take a minute to recognize a significant milestone in the life of our church. It was September 12th, 1884, that Rocky Point Baptist Church was founded, which means that this month marks 135 years of God's faithfulness. That means that it was 135 years ago that a local body of believers first met in this, not this place, but this, this place. And these 135 years have had highs and lows, joys and sorrows, victories and trials. But through it all, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has been perfectly faithful to Rocky Point Baptist Church. And so we stand here 135 years after the founding of this church, grateful for our brothers and sisters that we won't meet this side of heaven, who first gathered here, grateful for generations of faithful saints who have labored and invested in us, even though they never met us. But most of all, we stand here today, 135 years later, grateful that Jesus is still keeping his promise. That he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He has preserved us. He has protected us. He has built us. And so, um, would you join me in just praising God for his faithfulness to this church for 135 years? To God be the glory for what he has done in this place. So I hope you found Genesis chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning at cha- uh, verses 26 through 28. And uh, we're jumping right into the middle of the account of the creation week. Um, five days have already been covered. We're here in the middle of the sixth day. On this sixth day, God created living creatures on the earth. And as we come to verse 26, we come to the creation of the pinnacle of God's work of creation. Human beings. And so would you read with me verses 26 through 28 as we see God create man. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. This morning... I believe God wants to call us to through this text is this. Honor God by honoring his image bearers. Honor God 
by honoring his image bearers. Now we're going to see this truth play out uh, over several different truths. And the first is right in this text, we need to recognize that God created humans with dignity as his image bearers. God created humans with dignity as his image bearers. So last week, we looked at the whole creation week. Uh, We saw how God brought order out of the world, which began as formless and empty, verse 2 of chapter 1 tells us. We saw that throughout the creation week, God was taking a world that began as uninhabitable, as not ready for life, and he made it ready for life. Specifically, he made a world that was ready for us, human beings, to live in. Uh, He made day and night. He carved out the atmosphere in a world that was a watery abyss. Uh, He took an earth that was covered in water and he separated the water from the dry land and he covered the dry land and vegetation. He put the sun and the moon and the stars in place. He created birds and fish. He created land animals. And all of that was leading the way. All of that was preparing the way for a world that he would make for us to live in. He made that for us to take dominion over as we see in this chapter. And as we come to the account of the creation of man, while it is the next step in all of the creation story, we have to recognize that this stage of creation is different than everything that came before it. At this point in Genesis 1, Moses has recorded so far uh, the words, and God said, seven times. And each time God said, you know, let this happen or let this happen, and it happened. But here, as we come to verse 26, for the first time, In the Bible, God speaks to himself. In verse 26, Moses writes, Then God said, let us make man. The way God speaks changes at this moment because God is creating a creature unlike any other creature that he has made so far. He shifts to talking to himself because the act of creating man would be the closest to God's heart. Humans would be the beings that would be the most like God. That's why he says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Humans were created in the image of God. So what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things, but the big idea is that humans were made to reflect God's nature. Humans were made to reflect God's nature. He created us with the purpose that we would be like mirrors showing off what God is like. He created us to be like the moon is to the sun, to reflect his glory. It's what sets humans apart from the rest of creation. God did not give this honor to anything else that he created. Humans have a dignity and an honor that no other created thing has. And it's given to us by God. It's his doing. He did it. Humans did not evolve to the top of the food chain. God created man specifically to be in a unique role over the rest of his creation. And as such, nothing in creation deserves the kind of honor and dignity that humans deserve. And we have to recognize that it's not because 
in and of ourselves, we are honorable, or in and of ourselves, we are something, it is because we reflect something about God who is worthy of honor. That's why I say we need to realize that we ought to honor God by honoring his image bearers. It's not that humans are worthy of honor as themselves. We are worthy of dignity. God has given us dignity, given us value, given us honor because we reflect who God is. There's a special role that we are given to reflect God's glory. So if you've been part of our Wednesday night study uh, of what is the gospel, you may remember a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned that being made in the image of God has a couple of different aspects to it. On the one hand, uh, it involves a responsibility because God uh, has given us the purpose of reflecting his nature. We have a responsibility to, to actively, by our will, show what God is like. It's a, it's a purpose, it's a responsibility that we have been given. But on the other hand, being made in the image of God also comes with intrinsic honor and dignity. It's not just something that we have to make happen. It's something that God has implanted in us as his creatures. It's not an active thing that we do. It's, it's, it's passive. It's something that God has done to us. It's like he has put his stamp on us, marking us as his image bearers, marking us with dignity, marking our lives with value. So we're going to look at this truth that God has created us in his image over the next two weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to look at our responsibility to bear God's image, but today we're going to look at the honor and dignity that God has given to humans as his image bearers. This honor and dignity that God has given to humans, he gave to all humans. All. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That word man is the Hebrew word Adam, which if it sounds like Adam to you, there's a good reason. That's where we get the name Adam. It's a word that means all of mankind. Every human being. All of mankind has descended from the first humans that God made, that he created on the sixth day. Of creation, And that means that all humans are made in the image of God. No human being who has ever lived is an exception to this principle. As we see in this verse, both male and female are created in the image of God. God created man and woman with equal value and worthy of equal honor as image bearers. Every man has the full dignity of being an image bearer. Every woman has the full dignity of being God's image bearer. Male and female, he created them. Gender itself reflects God's nature. We reflect God in the plural. Because we reflect a God who is not just a single person. Did you notice in verse 26 that God said, let us make man in our image. Uh, this verse doesn't give us a, a fully formed doctrine of the Trinity, but as we look at the rest of scripture, 
we recognize that God is one God in three persons. And even here in this passage, at this critical point in creation, God chooses to reveal himself not as a a single person, but as a plurality. And as God's image, we reflect the one God who in himself is a plurality. We reflect his glory as humans in our plurality, in our pluralness, in the plural. Uh, but there's more than just plural out, excuse me, plurality here. If God only wanted us to reflect his plurality, he would have made two identical humans without gender. But notice the parallel between the last two phrases in verse 27. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a, a parallel there. And what we see in those parallel passages is that being in the image of God is tied to being male and female. When God made us his image bearers, he made us both with equality and with distinction as men and women. We reflect God's image in that he himself is, again, three persons, each person being distinct but equally God. Gender is God's idea. It's not a social construct. Being male and female is an essential part of how humans reflect God's glory. It's an essential part of how we reflect God's image. It's a beautiful and good thing that God created. We also need to recognize that all humans of all skin colors and all ethnicities that have ever existed all came from this first man. As Acts 17, 26 tells us, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. From a biblical perspective, there's only one race, the human race. And every single human being that came from this one man, Adam, is created equal because all humans are created In the image of God. Of course, by saying that, saying that there's only one race, the human race, that's not to downplay the beauty of the fact that God chose to create a humanity that is diverse. God chose in his design, in his beautiful design, to create man who would, one man who from whom would come all ethnicities, all skin colors, it's all part of God's beautiful design to show off his glory. His multifaceted, diverse glory is reflected in the fact that we as humans are diverse, that we as humans all look different, but we all come with the same equal value as created in the image of God. All humans, all humans have value and dignity and deserve honor because we are created in the image of God who deserves honor. So this is how God created humans. Uh, This is his perfect design. He called it, at the end of the day, very good. But of course, in just a couple of chapters, God's very good world gets corrupted by something very bad. Sin. Humans sin against God, and as a result, God brings a curse on the entire world. The whole world is now 
broken as a result of the fall of man. The fall has affected everything in the world, including humanity. So we need to ask, how has the fall affected the image of God? That leads us to our second truth that we need to see here. Our first truth was that God created humans with dignity as his image bearers. The second truth is that God's image bearers still have dignity even after the fall. God's image bearers still have dignity even after the fall. Uh, We'll see next week that because of sinfulness, we fail in our responsibility to reflect God's image. In our fallen condition, we do not reflect God's righteousness, but instead are unrighteous. So in that sense, the image of God is tainted. Uh, There are also many other ways that we are affected by sin as humans. Besides just the fact that we sin, we experience brokenness in our humanity because of the fall. We experience things like handicaps, experience diseases, we experience physical abnormalities, we experience death. All those are ways that humanity is broken because of the fall. So in all of this brokenness, in all of this way that sin has tainted and, 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 and affected negatively the, the design that God created for humans, uh, how is the image of God affected? In our sinfulness, um, we certainly taint the image of God in terms of our responsibility, but what about that dignity that God has given us as image bearers? Has that been tainted by the fall? Are we less valuable because of the fall? Are we deserving of less honor? No, we're not. And there are several examples in Scripture showing that humans still have dignity as God's image bearers even after the fall. Uh, So yes, we fail in our responsibility to bear God's image. Yes, we experience brokenness. But even after the fall, humans still have value because we're created in God's image. He has stamped us with his image. So flip over a few pages to Genesis chapter 9. We'll look at this passage in depth uh, before the end of this series, Lord willing. Um, This chapter records events that happen immediately after the flood. Uh, God has just judged the whole world, but he saved Noah and his family. And essentially, humanity starts over with Noah. And in Genesis 9, God is giving Noah and his family instructions. Uh, He's giving instructions to the only humans on earth now about how to now live in this new beginning to the old world. And among these instructions, God explicitly forbids murder. And look at the reason why in verse 6. He says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. God says that murder is wrong, Because human beings are made in God's image. The human life is so precious that anyone who takes the life of a human deserves to have his or or her life taken from them, God says. Even after the fall, the image of God remains. The value and dignity and sacredness of human life remains. Even after the fall, humans are worthy of dignity. Their lives have value. But, 
unfortunately, we dishonor God often and in many ways by dishonoring his image bearers. That's the third truth we need to understand. We dishonor God by dishonoring his image bearers. God deserves honor. God's image bearers who are stamped with his image deserve honor because the God that they reflect is a God of worth and value and glory. But in our fallen state, oftentimes we dishonor God by dishonoring those who are made in his image. Uh, So one way that we dishonor God by dishonoring his image bearers is by taking life. We see that right here in Genesis 9 that we were just looking at. Um, Well, let's not just limit our thinking to murder in in this sense or murder in the kind of way we typically think about it as, as an act of anger or aggression. All human lives have dignity as created in the image of God. And because of that, taking human life at any point Stealing that life from someone is wrong. It's dishonoring God by dishonoring those who he has stamped with his image. And so, even when it comes to something like suicide, we have to recognize that that voice inside that says the world would be better without me is a lie. Your life is precious. It's valuable because God made you. Your life has value and God has made you his image bearer. Because human life is sacred, uh, this is why we believe that abortion is wrong. Even the smallest human life has value. Even though a baby is dependent, dependent on its mother, he or she is still an image bearer. Let me, let me give a word of caution here in, in how we think about the unborn. Uh, we need to recognize that an unborn baby's life is not valuable because of what that baby might become. So a baby is not valuable, an unborn child is not valuable because, oh, well, that might be the one who cures cancer or because that baby might be the next American president. No, that baby is valuable Because God's image is on that child. And so if that child doesn't go on to do anything great, he is still valuable because he's created in the image of God. If that baby doesn't live a day outside of the womb, that baby is valuable and is created in God's image. It has dignity and honor and worth and value. If a child has uh, uh, something like Down syndrome or, or something that, some sort of a, 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 a disease or a, a, a syndrome like that, he is still created in God's image with full value and dignity and honor. And so we need to think carefully and think biblically about the value of human life and make sure that we don't say that life has value because of something that that person might do or be. no. God is the one who gives human beings intrinsic value. Humans are given dignity and honor because we are made in the image of God. Uh, The dignity of human life um, 
created in the image of God should also not just think, not just change the way that we think about the beginning of life. It shouldn't just affect the way that we think of the middle of life, but it should also affect the way that we think about end of life issues. So some of us might say, you know, that that doctor-assisted suicide is wrong. Why? Because humans are created in the image of God. And they have dignity and value as God's image bearers. To actively end a person's life, even if uh, they may um, uh, never have the kind of life that they had before, to actively choose to end someone's life is to defy the honor of God that he has placed in human beings. And now, let me just, let me just say, because I want to be careful here, there are, there are some really, really difficult decisions that people have to make about end-of-life issues. And I want to not at all be insensitive to how difficult those decisions are. And there are times when people have to make a hard decision to let a natural process happen and not keep it from happening. And and I want to make a distinction there between letting the natural process happen and actively choosing to end someone's life. There's a big difference there because what we need to recognize is that God has numbered everyone's days. And, and, and so there are some times when people have to make a really, really difficult decision uh, to, for instance, take a loved one off of life support. And we need to recognize that's not murder. That is, that is something that is a really, really hard decision that takes wisdom. And that is, not, that is far, far different than actively choosing to end someone's life. And so I want to make sure that, um, that we understand that because we don't need to feel guilty uh, if we're put in that difficult position, difficult um, situation. Uh, but we do need to think carefully about what it means to actively make a choice to, uh, to step in and end someone's life prematurely. But even as we consider the value of human life um, we need to watch our mouths. Let's, let's stop saying that humans are vegetables. They may not be conscious. They may not be independent again, but they are still image bearers with value and dignity. And um, I want to go back to what I said a, mo- a moment ago about the fact that God has our days numbered. Um, you know, I know that there are, uh, there are people oftentimes with, uh, with aging parents who struggle with um, the fact that, man, my, my, my loved one is, is suffering. My loved one is not the way that they used to be. And, you know, I wish, I wish Jesus would just take my loved one home um, because it's so much better to be with Jesus than to be here. And that's true. It is so much better to be with Jesus. And I just want to encourage you as you think about that, that God has numbered every single day of our life. And if he hasn't chosen to take someone home, he has a purpose for that person's day. That person wakes up again the next day, he has a purpose for them. And it might be to make you more like Christ through loving them. It might be to make you more like Christ through serving them. And it might be also for them to make them more like Christ, even in the suffering, even in the pain, even in that frustration 
and, uh, and, and that, that sense of, man, I just, wish, I just wish this could be over. The Lord is not done with them yet. The Lord has numbered every single day and has given every single human honor and dignity as his image bearers. But we would be, um, we would be wrong to only think that Ending someone's life is, that's the only way that we dishonor God's image bearers. No, there are many other ways that we dishonor those who are made in the image of God. Uh, For instance, James 3, 8 through 10 says that no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Even in our words, we can dishonor the image of God. Uh, truthfully, we dishonor God by dishonoring his image bearers anytime we treat another human being with less dignity than he has given to them. We dishonor the image of God when we treat people of another skin color or another ethnicity with less dignity than we do people of our own skin color or our own ethnicity. We dishonor God when we talk about someone from another culture as as if they had less value than people from our own culture. One of the things we've seen already in this verse, in these verses, is that maleness and femaleness, gender, is part of what it means to bear the image of God. Uh, and there's several ways that humans dishonor the image of God uh, related to the idea of gender. One is sexism. To treat one gender with less dignity than another is to dishonor God. And then there's a couple of issues that have arisen, especially in our culture in this day, around the issue of transgenderism. Um, First, because gender, maleness, and femaleness are part of what it means for humans to be made in the image of God, uh, to reject your own gender or to reject gender as a concept is to dishonor the image of God. But in the same breath, we must remember that we dishonor God if we treat transgender people as having any less dignity than any other human being. Even those of us who understand that gender is God's idea and it's valuable and to reject that is wrong, we must be the ones who show the most love and the most value and the most dignity toward all human beings, regardless of their brokenness, and their decisions. All humans are created in the image of God and as such deserve honor and dignity. So yes, with murder and abortion and suicide and euthanasia and racism and sexism, uh, all of those things dishonor God by dishonoring those who he made in his image. But as we saw in James, unkind words, a condescending attitude, lashing out in anger. Anytime we sin against another human being, we're dishonoring God by dishonoring those who are made in his image. 
all of us, even if, we're, even if we haven't fallen into any of these categories of the different ways that people might dishonor the image of God, we all, in some way or another, are guilty of dishonoring God by dishonoring his image bearers. We need a redeemer. We need a redeemer to forgive us for our sins, to save us from the penalty that we deserve for dishonoring God in this way. And we need a redeemer to set us free from these evil ways and bring us to new life of experiencing the joy of honoring God by honoring his image bearers. And that is exactly the kind of redeemer that we have in Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. fourth truth that we need to understand this morning is that Jesus redeems image bearers, even those who dishonor other image bearers. Jesus redeems image bearers, even those who dishonor other image bearers. As we come to Colossians 1, let's read starting in verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. God is able to deliver us out of the domain of darkness in which all fallen humans live apart from Christ. He is able to rescue us out of the ways that we dishonor him by dishonoring his image bearers. And he is able to transfer us into a new life, into a new way of living under the reign of his son. Jesus, our Redeemer, can forgive us of the many ways we dishonor God by dishonoring his image bearers. And he can do this because he himself is the image 
of the invisible God. He is the perfect, ultimate reflection of who God is. Because he himself is God. But Jesus, fully God, has done the unthinkable. He took on a body of flesh. Have you ever considered how remarkable that is? That the Son of God, who existed for all of eternity as God, uncreated. He is the one who created all human beings, and he took on human flesh. Human flesh that he himself created. So that Jesus is now fully God and fully man. And he has chosen to exist as fully God and fully man for all of eternity. Jesus today exists in a human created body, a glorified body, a resurrection body. But how amazing it is that Jesus chose to take on the form of a human being. There's no other creation that he did that with. There's no other creature that God has united himself to like that. It's amazing what Jesus has done. And why did he do it? So that he could reconcile people like us who were alienated from God because of our sin. He did that so that he could reconcile people who were, as the text says, hostile to their fellow image bearers. He did it so he could reconcile people who did evil deeds against those made in God's image. He did that in his body of flesh by his death. Because he is fully God and fully man, he was able to be the perfect substitute for us. And he was punished with the death that we deserved. And he did it, according to this text, in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before God. He is able both to forgive us of the ways that we dishonor God by dishonoring his image bearers, and he is able to conform us to his image so that in him we can now honor God by honoring his image bearers, among other things. So the last thing, the last truth that we need to see here, the last word that we need to hear, honor God. By honoring his image bearers. Honor God by honoring his image bearers. As we consider the truth of Genesis 1, that God created humans in his image, uh, we need to remember that the original readers of Genesis uh, was the nation of Israel wandering in the wilderness. God took this nation out of slavery in Egypt, brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness, and in the wilderness he was forming them to be his people. He delivered them out of the domain of Egypt and transferred them into his kingdom, uh, to use language from Colossians 1. And as he is instructing them on their life together as his people, he gives them a lot of instructions. And what we find in Genesis is the foundation of those instructions that he gave them. This was a word that they needed to hear for their particular situation. And the truth is that this is a foundation not only for what they needed, as the people of God then, these are instructions that we need as the people of God now. We have been redeemed by God. We have been brought out of slavery to sin 
not to Egypt. But we, as the people of God, need this foundational truth if we are to live life as God's people. So what does it look like? What does this new life look like? How do we honor God by honoring his image bearers? Well, there's many ways. Uh, There's as many ways to honor God by honoring his image bearers as there are ways to love another person. But I want to highlight a few. One, love all classes. Love all classes. So in Leviticus 19.15, one of these instructions that God gave to his people in the wilderness that has a foundation in Genesis 1, he says to the people, You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Because of our fallen nature, we are tempted to treat people unfairly. Sometimes we're tempted to treat people with money with more dignity than those who are poor. Sometimes we're tempted to look down on the wealthy. But honoring God by honoring his image bearers involves loving all people regardless of their social status. Uh, Another aspect of what this means is to love strangers, to love people who are different than us. Uh, In Leviticus, again, in 19, verses 33 to 34, God told Israel, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no harm. Or, excuse me, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We're tempted in our fallen nature to dishonor people who look different from us, we're tempted to dishonor people who are from another culture, from another country. But God calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves. One of the areas in which Christians have an opportunity to shine the light of Christ in this way is in the way that we talk about uh, the issue of immigration. Um, We must love people from other countries as we love ourselves. That is loving the way that God has loved us and the way that God calls us to love. Now, that does not mean that we disregard the law, but it does mean that we should treat people with dignity as those who are created in the image of God. And that looks like, again, treating people the way that you would want to be treated, loving others the way that you would want to be loved. What if it was your family fleeing an oppressive government and seeking asylum? What if it was your child who was brought here illegally, but too young to be held responsible for your decision? Again, the law is the law. But the way we talk about people, the way we think about people, the value we ascribe to people, needs to be directed by God's word. We need to recognize that all human beings are created in the image of God and deserving of love and dignity and honor, and we should treat them with value. Uh, Last example, one of the hardest ones, Jesus instructs us, love your enemies. 
Let me just read to us from Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew 5, starting in 43, Jesus says, You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Again, he ties uh, all of that at the end to being an imitator of God, which is what we are called to be as image bearers. But Jesus instructs us to love even our enemies, even those that sin against us, are deserving of dignity and honor. Evil is still evil. We don't ignore sin. We don't deny that something that is wrong is wrong. But a person is not subhuman because of their sin. However egregious it may be, a person is not subhuman because of sin. Even sin against us or sin against our loved ones. Even criminals who deserve punishment for their crimes are made in God's image and thus deserve honor and dignity. As we consider this truth that all humans are created in the image of God, we have to always come back to the truth that this is not about a human being by themselves having worth and having uh, honor. No, Humans are created in the image of God. This is not a matter of human worship. This is a matter of worship of God. The way that we treat humans is part of how we treat God. So we honor God as we show honor to those who are made in his image. We honor God as we protect the sanctity of human life. We honor God in this way. And most importantly, we live out the life that Christ has given us. A life that we didn't deserve to have. A life that we didn't create for ourselves. No, as we have already seen, uh, we deserved punishment because we are all those who dishonor God in this way. But Jesus has saved us. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. He has transformed us. And so he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He calls us and has transferred us into a new life, a new life of being free to honor God by honoring his image bearers. So may we reflect who God is as we show love to those who reflect who God is. Let's pray together. Father, as we Think about the truth of your word, the dignity that you have given to every human life as your image bearer. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word would penetrate our hearts. And Lord, that where we dishonor you by dishonoring your image bearers, uh, Lord, I pray that we would repent. Or that we would be convicted of that and that we would turn away from that. And that we would seek your forgiveness that you freely offer us in Christ. And Lord, I pray that we 
who are in Christ would recognize it is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And so, Lord, by Christ's power, may we bring you glory. May we honor you by showing honor to your image bearers. Lord, may we show the power of the gospel and shine as a light in this world as we show dignity where other people do not show dignity, where we regard life as sacred where other people do not regard life as sacred. Lord, may we point people to you as we live out the life of Christ in us. The life of Christ who is the image of the invisible God. Lord, we want to look more and more like Jesus. Lord, would you point us to him and may we shine his light as we seek to love those around us. We love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.